Welcome back to another episode of Paper Movies. Today we're going to be covering the sequel to GoldenEye, uh, which is also the second film in the Brosnan era, Tomorrow Never Dies, by Raymond Benson, based upon the screenplay by Bruce uh, Fierstein. Um, yep, and rejoining us for this stream is Noah from Quality Autism, who joined us for the GoldenEye one. If uh, So yeah, go check that. And he's also the co-host with Jeremy along the double, with the Double O Seven podcasts, uh, Live and Let's Discuss. So, Tomorrow Never Dies is, like I said, the sequel to GoldenEye, and it uh, Bond is sent to investigate um, the uh, uh, a, a British fleet was uh, the sailors were murdered, and Bond believes that a uh, world media baron named Elliot Carver is somehow connected to it, so he is sent to investigate. So, um, yeah, just jumping into it. What are you guys' uh, thoughts? Well, first, <laughs> let me say that uh, you've heard of the Mandela effect. I'm sure a lot of people have. That's one of the biggest things surrounding this book was uh, the Mandela effect with Bruce Fairstein or Bruce Ferenstein. Or Bruce Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, I don't Bruce, I don't know what you're getting at. Bruce Ferenc Ferenstein. Nothing. Br the forget it. The Berenstein Bears. Dang it! <laughs> you know the Berenstein Bears is the Mandela effect with the oh the Berenstein Bears. Yeah, Berenstein. Yeah. So I was getting with the Ferenstein. Whatever. Ferenstein. Oh, oh, I get it. Yeah. I'm that one. That didn't hit. So. What do you guys think of this book? Do you prefer this over the film? What do you think? Um, can I, may I start? Go for it. As uh, one of the co-hosts of Live and Let's Discuss. Um, I Tomorrow Never Dies is my favorite of the Brosnan Bond films. I think because it, it really is kind of a transition. Where Goldeneye feels like a Timothy Dalton script that they just gave Pierce Brosnan because Dalton wasn't going to come back. This feels like it, it's written for Brosnan's Bond, although Brosnan's Bond's not quite there yet. Um, it has a lot going for it. It has probably the best Bond villain of all of these, the Brosnan era Bond villains. It has the best Bond girl of his films. Um, it's a lot going for it. It gives me a spy who loved me film vibe where the bond girl is basically bonds equal, but this time for the people's Republic of China, instead of uh, the Soviet union. Um, I like the, uh, the villain. He feels like Steve jobs. And I think that was on purpose. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I like I really like his henchmen and how psychotic and creepy and weird he is. Raymond Benson really brings back something that John Gardner didn't do, which is gave like some of the creepier Fleming things where he's like his his pain and pleasure receptors are reversed yeah. and he like is sadistic towards his uh towards women and just everyone in general. And like, 
I keep wanting to call him Milton Crest, but that that's uh, that's from uh, License to Kill. Um, but like Carver, like wants that it's Elliot Carver, right? That's the yeah. villain. Yeah, yeah. Stamper, wants, Stamper is his like main henchman. Yes, he he likes to film what Stamper does. That's a weird like a little tidbit added on. Um, I like that we, they do mention the, that Hong Kong has gone to gone from Great Britain to the People's Republic of China because that was the original plot to Tomorrow Never Dies, which it was has been made into a, a novel called Forever and a Death by Donald Westlake because he was involved in this early on. But that seemed to have fallen through, which I think Noah has more in information on that. I don't really have much information. It's just because, like, the filmmakers didn't want to become too political. So, yeah, that script got scrapped. And instead he wrote a novel out of it, an original one. Which, for our episode of Live and Let's Discuss, that we'll do for Tomorrow Never Dies, we're going to read that, as well as talk about this novelization and the film because I think that it's pretty important mm -hmm. to talk about what could have been. But I think this one is, it's a solid story. It's a great, this is Raymond Benson's second Bond novel. He wrote, he wrote, what, what one was, I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't a novelization, but it was, he wrote, he wrote a short story called Blast from the Past for Playboy magazine, which no one I have reviewed. It's very much written for Playboy magazine. It's just goofy and pervy and weird. It, it's a weird sequel to uh, You Only Live Twice. And then he, he wrote an ad novel, and then he wrote this novelization. And I really, I really like it because we're really starting to see it's still Fleming's Bond. He describes him as Fleming's uh, description for Bond. It's not Brosnan. It's it's clearly the Fleming Bond, mm -hmm. but he has a lot more of the characteristics that Brosnan has in his personality, which is kind of weird. And that was a direction that he was told to go in with his books, from what what I've researched. But uh, the one of the interesting changes that I want to bring up is the introduction of the Walther P ninety nine, which yeah. I went on a rant on the next episode of live and let's discuss for uh, the for your eyes only episode where i went on a rant about bond using the ppk it's an outdated gun it was outdated in the 80s they switched to the p5 only to switch back to the ppk and that has always bothered me and we finally get a switch to a nine millimeter um striker fired pistol with the p99 i like then, oh go ahead i'm sorry only to you know of course with skyfall bring back the ppk for nostalgia reasons because it's an impractical gun it yeah. makes me very mad sorry <laughs> <laughs> off my soapbox no i have actually uh, a note about that um i like the in the the introduction of his new Walther, it was a lot different than the uh, in the film. Like in the yeah, film, he gets it from a Wayland's like um, like secret, you know, 
secret house that she has where she has like all of her tech and weapons and everything. And he's just like, oh, yeah, I asked Q to grab me one of these. But then actually in the novelization, he does actually get it from Q when he gets his new car. And I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, and that's how it should have been, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, going back to what we mentioned earlier, like um, uh, I like that we were talking about Stamper. And I do have, actually have a note about him. I was like, I like that we actually did get more insight in some of the other characters like Carver or Waylon. Like we get chapters about Baxter. But I have for Stamper, I wrote, he's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is. He, you know who he reminds me of. He reminds me of the villain in the world uh, is not enough. Who's shot in the head? But like, oh yeah, Renard. Yeah, pain. but at least with in here, it's not stupid. It, it feels like you know. It, it feels like odd job. Like like from the the Goldfinger novel. Where odd job is like got super strength, but it's kind of grounded mm-hmm. in reality. Um, I, I I like this guy as a henchman. He's creepy. He is very creepy. Um, I do. One of my favorite parts about this novelization is the author's ability to give such great detail and backstory with each character. Uh, getting into Carver's like history with how he was raised and his search for his like parents. I found that very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it really gets you attached more to some of these characters, even the bad guys. You know, it was um, mm-hmm. pretty eye-opening and interesting for Carver. Um, the big change that I thought was interesting was at the party when he's like about to introduce his media thing. Um, in the movie, it's com- there's a lot of things that are the same, but the big differences were like Bond first meets his that Paris. Paris mm-hmm. Carver, like in seclusion, like he mm-hmm. goes up and sees her on a balcony. And in the the book, they're like right there next to Elliot, and she slaps him right in front of him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was an interesting change. I liked the film better when it came to that part, but most of the other changes I, I preferred from the book. I thought you were going to mention the scene. I haven't rewatched the movie in a while, but. Uh, Bond is interrupting Carver's speech in the movie, and doesn't he just like turn the the cameras and lights off essentially in the film? Because in the book, I know it's different because he's activating like the fire alarm and there's like foam or stuff coming down. Yeah, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting little change. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I agree with you guys. The backstories, especially early on, for like Wei Lin. Because I don't mm. think her entire plot mm. with like her briefing with her superior, like none of that is in the movie, and that's interesting stuff. And yeah, Carver's backstory is like straight out of a Fleming novel. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. It has like it's yes. like a bit like darkly comedic. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. I actually picked up on that too, like the feel of a Fleming bond. Mm-hmm. Especially when he like they mentioned um Jack Wade. Well, Jack Wade was in Goldeneye, but um, mm. there's like reminiscing of Felix Leiter. Yeah, I like that. Too. I thought that was cool. And we had uh, Bond having toast for breakfast. I was like, ha. I remember reading that and some of that Fleming stuff. It was like every book he had toast for breakfast. Oh, cool. Yeah. I did have one note about this, and Jeremy and Noah, you guys might know this more than uh, you guys might remember this better than I do, but they make a, a reference about. Uh, Bond's education, like which I don't remember that being discussed that much in the Fleming novels. Um, 
not. But that was something we, yeah, Noah and I talked about behind the scenes before this is the, the a lot of the stuff with Bond in in Germany that's talked about. I, I did, we weren't sure if that actually fits in continuity. Yeah, because Fleming establishes Bond's like childhood in You Only Live Twice at the end briefly, like he went to Eton, Eton College. Um, and he grew up in Swiss, like Switzerland, Switzerland. Switzerland. So, yeah. but here Benson claims like, oh, he spent a lot of time in Germany on the Reeperbahn, which is pretty funny, you know, because that's the play, the red light district. <laughs> so that was good. But yeah, if that fits, I'm not sure, but it was fun. And that's another thing in here. This book actually talks about Germany, which is interesting mm -hmm. because the story takes place there, which... I always forget that's the case with the movie because yeah. the most you see of Germany is the inside of a parking garage in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because isn't Stamper, he's German, right? Yeah, he's German. Carver is like half German and his yes. uh, place is in Hamburg. Okay. There was, um, yeah, like I said, I love the backstories, but uh, I think one of my favorite scenes that I think I remember uh, was actually a little better in the film was that scene where Bond finds uh, Paris's body in his hotel room and uh, that doctor who's uh, the, what was he? Uh, he was the assassin. Yeah, he was an assassin. And but he's like he specializes in uh, like forensics, I think. But I don't know. I've always liked that uh, scene. He, like, he kind of establishes himself as like a jack of all trades. Like, you know, he's. Like I'm a doctor of like forensics. So it's like I specialize in celebrity, you know, suicide. And you know, he's like, I'm also a expert pistol marksman. Take my word for it. And I'm just, uh, I just like that scene. It's like in the book, I know it didn't really, I don't know, I didn't really feel like as it didn't really feel as suspenseful in the book as it did in the film for some reason. Yeah, it did, they did left out the little joke too, didn't they? Like the this is embarrassing. Like when he gets the phone call of how to oh, get yeah. the car. Uh, that was that was funny in the film. Um, there's something else that there's a little joke that was attempted in the novelization. Um, Bond like mentions, or he's thinking, man, I hope Q gets me a Jaguar. And yeah, so, <laughs> and then he goes to the crate when he's getting his car, and the box, a big crate, opens up, and there's a caged Jaguar. It's like that's tacky. And then they go, <laughs> that's actually another crate. That's actually from the movie. That's a deleted scene. Okay. Oh, Which I did enjoy that that was in here. <laughs> yeah, but once again, we get stuck with the BMWs. No, Noah hates the BMWs. They're just, they just don't feel like Bond cars. No. Noah and I have talked about this before. It's like, I have issues like with some of these BMWs. At one point, he's driving a sedan, and it just doesn't feel right. I mean, he's driving an Aston Martin in the uh, in the beginning of the the book, if I'm not mistaken. I think but, so. He does so in the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he they they just they had an obsession with BMWs in the '90s. What I did like that they kind of uh, kept that was like when Bond uh, uh, is escaping. 
the uh, the snowy mountains and the jet. I always like that they kept that joke. He's just like, uh, hey, uh, ask the admiral where would he like his bombs delivered. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I just like I always like enjoyed that scene. Um, uh, I remember playing that on like the PS One video game whenever the the tie-in game when it came out and. It wasn't nearly as cool, but it was just like it was kind of interesting when like you got to ski or scuba dive, you know, like similar scenes in the film. But I don't know. I just uh, I like that they, you know, kind of stayed um, somewhat very true to that in the in the book. I can't think of one right now, but I like how they also left in the little one liners that he would say after certain mm-hmm. things. I can't think of one right now, but uh, oh, um, oh, they said anything happen. these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny. <laughs> nasty habit with the guy smoking, just to yep. establish Bond no longer smokes. Yeah, which is interesting that Benson don't—he doesn't really talk about that, right? Like the change in like Bond smoking or not, because uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, unlike Goldeneye, I feel this is really the beginning of like '90s new era Bond. Yeah, because it just feels more contemporary with like yeah, the whole media yeah. thing. Well, the thing is, Goldeneye still left over Soviet Union stuff. Like, that's the point of Goldeneye. Is that the, there's just dealing with relics of the Cold War. I mean, M has the issues with Bond because she thinks he's outdated. We got 008 is running amok um, and is teamed up with uh, Soviets, former so- Soviets. And, like, it just feels like it leftovers from from the Cold War, where this is, like... We're, we're 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 teaming up with Red China, but they aren't necessarily our enemy. And we're trying we're trying not to have World War Three because that's Elliot Carver's plan is to basically um, miscommunicate document well, every war. Well, he's going to create and then document every war, which that gets into some weird territory with the U.S. invading the Middle East. And also and Russia, Russia invading the Ukraine, which I <laughs> had to take a double take looking at that. Like, wow, <laughs> called it. He was on to something. <laughs> yeah, they even um, mentioned that a little bit whenever the, the skydiving scene, when they actually discover that the waters he's going to be diving into are part of uh, part of Vietnam. And they're like, mm-hmm. it does like he doesn't by chance have like U.S. markings on him, does it? And they're like. Like, oh, yeah, on the parachute and the wetsuit. They're like, oh, crap. The flippers, like, <laughs> everything. That was good. Yeah, th- uh, that whole sequence is interesting, too. The the low the low orbit jump, which is in the film. Yeah. You remember when he in the film they take off their, um, their, their air tanks and they just, like, float up to the top real fast mm-hmm. it's mentioned in the book he's like oh i have to make sure that i save some air for the very slow descent up to the yeah surface. because depressurization you'll yeah bleed out your eyes so like, i thought that was kind of funny that again it, it's it's grounded like a fleming book would be and this is so nice because you know john gardner he does his own thing and it's like 50 50 with him half his books seem to be terrible <laughs> And the other half seemed to be okay. And his license to kill novelization, which Matthew, you weren't there for, hmm. um, was it had Fleming stuff in it, 
like uh, Felix Leiter had the hook all hand already, and he just so he got, got maimed again. He got <laughs> maimed another shark time. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he kept that piece of continuity in there. He kept that, but with Goldeneye, it's like he just ignores everything. So it's nice to have. I mean, we're not directly referencing Fleming books in this in this novelization. Like right now, I'm I'm reading Trigger Mortis by Anthony Howlwitz, and that has like a whole like chapter where they keep referencing other things that have happened. But this it has the Fleming tone, but it doesn't have to reference things. Whereas like John Gardner stuff, it just doesn't feel like Fleming, like at all. Like Bond, some for some reason still young in the eighties, like he's the same age as he 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 was at the end of Man with the Golden Gun, and and M and Money Penny are all the same age, and that's just like all all those books are are like that, even the novelizations. But this this it's still. Bond's still not the correct age because I mean he would be what in his sixties, pushing seventy at this point, because mm-hmm. he's in his forties at the end of the Fleming books. He's in his early forties, if I'm not mistaken. So, <laughs> sorry, I'm I just. You made that reference about Felix Leiter like getting maimed by a shark again, and all I can see is just like them suspending him over a shark, and he looks at him and he's just like, "Oh, come on, again, <laughs> not again!" <laughs> Literally, the t- the title of the chapter I remember this is called "Lightning Strikes Twice." <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and, and the, it, it, once again, he gets a note. Bond finds a note that says he disagreed with something that ate him. And he says, lightning strikes t- twice Sharky, because it's Sharky, the character Sharky's with him. And I remember thinking that was so goofy and bizarre. And he, he didn't even lose like his own limbs, he lost the prosthetic ones again. Yeah. <laughs> so would you guys uh, like recommend this over the film? Yes, or- yeah. Uh, the film, I, so. I still recommend the film, but like I recommend the novelization over the film. I think it's a lot better. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Like it's kind of like uh, like tied. Like I would say, like oh, I think you should read this film or read this book and watch the film. Mm-hmm. They're both good. I yeah, mean, yeah, I watched the film uh, like a couple days ago, Friday, I think. Um, the thing that you don't have to listen to when you read the book is the fight scene at the media launch party for Elliot mm-hmm. when Bond is getting beat with the baseball bat you don't have to hear the overdone sound effect and then the one huge swing with the baseball bat to the back that has no sound effect <laughs> which, oh, you don't have to worry yeah, about I that with the book I can't, I can't wait to point that out for let's discuss yeah. he gets hit right in the back with a leg or something and just like mm-hmm. no sound it's like that was weird <laughs> Yeah, and um, like, and I remember in the movie, uh, like, in, I, for some reason, I think it was a little different in the book, but like in the movie, he's beating all those guys up with instruments. Because <laughs> I remember in the in the movie, he like slams one guy into a piano and throws a a cello at another guy and just beats him. <laughs> that feels like Roger Moore. One more thing that I want to mention too, I like how we get more of the Chinese look into like their side of things with their government yes. and how the guy's trying to be raised up to be a new emperor of China and 
mm-hmm. all the little henchmen that he's got. Mm-hmm. I thought that was that was fascinating too. What what it feels like to me, uh, you get Matthew and Adam. You haven't read this, but uh, Noah will get it. The Spy Who Loved Me novelization by Christopher Wood is like that, where they add, you get a lot more with the Russians. In fact, um, the Bond girl works for Smash in the novel, instead rather than just the Russians in general. She, she's an agent of Smash, which adds a whole nother level to because you know Bond doesn't like Smash. Yeah, again, I did appreciate like that they did give more insight to the other characters because when that's in, in the film, it's more heavily focused on Bond. You know, I mean, he's the main mm-hmm. character, but in this one, they try to, you know, like like I said, just give go more in depth with like the supporting characters or the plot mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we even get to see we even get to see uh, Elliot and um, Stamper show up at Bond's hotel room to catch Paris there. I don't remember oh. that in the film. Oh yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that scene because I feel like that takes a little bit away from the surprise when Bond arrives and finds her dead. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. But I, otherwise, I, I like all the extra like villain stuff in here. I can see yeah. why Raymond Benson would add that in because if you the way I look at it with the film, it feels like a reference to Goldfinger when mm-hmm. he finds uh, oh yeah completely painted gold. Oh, or like uh, your favorite, Quantum of Solace, covered uh, in oil. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot that they did that in there. There's always a, a tie-in to the, the older films. <laughs> it's kind of like in Die Another Day, where they find all the gadgets. He's like, so this is where they keep the old relics. Oh, oh the, the cringe scene? Yeah. <laughs> Until the invisible car in, at the, what was it, in Iceland? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At uh, least the car in this is somewhat more interesting because it's like self-driving. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun gimmick. Or yeah, like he's controlling it in the phone with his phone in the the movie. <laughs> and the phone has the taser on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. Noah, uh, what do you think? Would you uh, like? Would you recommend this the book over the film, or kind of both? I would recommend both because Tomorrow Never Dies. I also think it's probably yeah the best Brosnan movie. Um, it's just a decent action film. Like the action is very fun. The book I would recommend because it goes deeper into the characters, like the villain and stuff, and his henchman, and the Bond girl. So that's interesting. And yeah, I appreciate the Fleming tone, so to speak. I did appreciate. I don't know why Elliot Carver is like one of my favorite of the Brosnan villains, um, but. I don't know, because I just feel like with him having, like, so much control of the media, you know, like, especially in today's society where, like, the media is, like, you know, like heavily controls everything, like, I don't know, it just kind of seems like a very dangerous villain, like, he, uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, he, he knows how to use weapons, and he's, you know, kill people or can have people killed, but it's just, like, the fact of, like, he's, you know, causing trouble just with his uh, influence in the media, which reminds I mean, me, says, can I spoil ahead. the end quick? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, because there's something interesting regarding what you said with him being this media mogul. I always felt he is the only Bond villain who should have been arrested. Because that would have been a poetic end. Like his picture on the news and exposed as yeah. like a fraud and a, and a villain. Mm-hmm. And Benson kind of tries to do it at the end. Because in the film, Carver just gets like ripped apart by his machine mm-hmm. in the book 
this also happens. But at the same time, Benson mentions like, oh, there are cameras filming him and everything. So it's like he realized that, but they didn't allow him to change the ending. But mm-hmm. he tried to work it in of like him being exposed on the media. I agree. I think that would have been way better. I even thought about that in a way this like today. Um, it's like, man, you think Bond would have arrested the guy? I mean, they're just going to take his word that they he killed him. Um, I mean, he just like threw a giant drill in his face. And just <laughs> let him just get drilled to bits. Yeah, that that's, nasty. That's a whole thing. Because it reminds because it's not in the novel Bond out of the novel Bond's way of arresting someone. In the the short story Octopussy, he's sent to arrest uh, a double agent essentially, and actually, I won't spoil it because it's a very short story. But um, that that isn't out of character for novel Bond, but it is out of character for film Bond. Film Bond's gotta gotta throw someone in acid or right or shoot someone, someone in the genitals like Spy Who Loved Me. Oh yeah, or uh, grab Blofeld's submarine and swing it around a bunch. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I'm trying. I try to think of some other pretty over the top. De- oh, blow! What's his face? Yafiat Koda's character in Live and Let Die turn him into a balloon. So he- oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he explodes. <laughs> or. Uh- <laughs> Or electrocute the uh, the Korean man that turned into a white man and die another day, and then throw him out of the plane. Oh, you, you didn't know that, Matthew? That's the whole plot of Die Another Day. He uses diamond science. He's a North Korean, and he converts himself to look like an Anglo-Saxon man. That's <laughs> so dumb. And that's that's one of the reasons why the. Brosnan era ended right there because that's just stupid. He's in a Power Ranger suit on top of it. <laughs> oh yeah, crazy. I remember that. <laughs> that's basically how he beats him, though. He, like he tases him with it or something like that, and just throws him out the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, gives it like kind of like the ending to the villain dies, kind of the similar way to the villain in the Incredibles movie. <laughs> yes. Oh, that that's interesting. I wonder if Pixar said we should make fun of this. <laughs> you know, I gotta say something else about this too. I really liked the relationship that built up between Wei Lin and Bond in the book way better than the film. We had yeah. a lot more yeah. we had a lot more of her in the story in the novel. Yeah, she's and like her equal. introduction. Yeah. And her introduction into the story and how they kind of stayed connected and the running joke that they were bankers all the way up to the very end. Yeah. Uh, that's fun yeah that's a kind of a weak point in brosnan's films in general like he has little chemistry with any of the bond girls Mm -hmm. i think they were focused on making them strong female characters more so than having um a sort of connection to bond because when we get into like world is not enough for instance they're they're really focusing on making denise richards a nuclear physicist just the worst person to cast for that. Yeah, I think we can all agree Waylon is the best one, probably. Yeah, yeah with uh, what's her face from Goldeneye mm-hmm. second. She's pretty good, too. Yeah. So what would you guys rate this book? 
starting with Matthew. I give it an A. It's a good Jeremy. solid book. A 4.7 out of 5. It's a great first novelization for Raymond Benson. And it made me look forward to reading The World Is Not Enough, which is something I don't. <laughs> Sorry, I do not like at all. But you're just like, like well, after reading this, Raymond Raymond Benson's work, I'm just like, I'm hoping that he did better with the world's not enough. Let's see if he can. Let's see if he can save Die Another Day in novel form. <laughs> yeah, that 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 would be a whole other thing right there. Noah, uh, yeah, I would have to agree with Matthew. An A. Same A. It's a good like expansion of the movie the movie plot is in here but with a lot of nice little extras that mm -hmm. makes it worth reading yeah Absolutely. it's uh, i don't know it's like in my opinion like a uh, like how i feel a novelization should be stay faithful to the film but add something extra just for like you know some spice and everything yeah okay yeah i agree good stuff well well i next. do have an, an announcement this is unfortunately my last episode on paper movies proper for uh, the next year or so. Um, I'm going back to school and I will not have time to be on here, but I will try to release some single cuts for you all. But I've already talked it over with the guys and it's just the best option for now. Yeah, absolutely, man. We totally 100%, you know, support you. And, you know, uh, like I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're happy for you. And, you know, you're always, you know, like I said, he's uh, one of the founding fathers. <laughs> so, and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, me and Matthew will uh, be uh, uh, holding the fort down until Jeremy uh, res uh, comes back and joins us as our, our host. So. Yeah, I'm wishing you all the best of luck in your uh, your school year. Yeah, so we'll be looking forward to your uh, single cuts and mm -hmm. everything else that you got going on. Is the reading? It does take a lot of time. You know, you get a lot of podcasts that you do, and this one, this is this is hard because a lot of novelizations don't have audio, and so it's hard to keep up. And that's what I've been relying on, especially this year. I've been so mm -hmm. busy, and thankfully, I work at a job where I can listen to books all day. So that's how I. I've kept up, but with paper movies, I don't, I don't get to do that because so many of these books are so old, you know? Yeah. Well yeah. guys, thanks again for joining us. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to go check out our previous episode uh, for Spider-Man two and uh, Noah, thanks again for joining us and uh, mm -hmm. hope if we ever discuss the, the last two Brosnan uh, bond novelizations, hope to have you back on for those. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know. uh, next month, we're going to be reading Aliens. No, we won't. So stay tuned. We're not. We'll take, we're taking a break in July. Taking remember. a break. So when we come back from the break, <laughs> Aliens. Yep. This time it's war. This time. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much again for joining us. And again, uh, be sure to stay tuned for our next episode coming out in August for Aliens. <laughs>